This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM. The fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin here on a Monday day after the Super Bowl uh, is in the books. Flying solo today. No Ryan Horvath. Uh, I think... I think uh, Ryan Horvath is filling in during uh, weekday uh, afternoons or mornings or something this week. So I don't think uh, Ryan will be with us this week either, unless I'm surprised. But I think he is off again this week. So uh, you'll have me today. I'll find some guests for Wednesday and Friday so you don't have to listen to me after uh, during every single podcast. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the Super Bowl uh, and some of the stuff we take away from it. Th- there is so much to talk about. I'm pretty sure if I had an actual radio show, I could probably do two or three hours just talking about the game itself and, and all the different um, aspects of it and storylines that kind of play off of it. And the f- first thing is, as a Packer fan, right? As a Packer fan, be honest with yourself. Uh, were you, you know, at the bar or at your buddy's house or sitting in your house watching the game and saying, man, Packers are better than both these teams? Packers are better than both these teams, and they're not there. And now I got to watch this fumble fest and everything else going on between the Niners and the Chiefs. I feel like I saw quite a bit of that on social media of people saying, hey, man, Packers beat the Chiefs, uh, ran up and down the field on this Spagnola defense, uh, and should have beat the San Francisco 49ers uh, and moved the ball far better than Kansas City did, especially in the first half of that game. And to that, I say, hell yeah. This Packer football team, the odds already came out, uh, the early odds, it'll change 5 million times between now and the start of the season, but early odds are already out. I think the Packers are ninth or 10th uh, in odds to win the Super Bowl uh, next year. Not bad for a second-year starter in Jordan Love. Uh, but you could just see, uh, while Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of love and praise uh, for the offensive mind that he is and the scheme that he has created that all these different assistant coaches have gone off uh, to become head coaches 
some more successful than others, but all to varying degrees of success from the Shanahan tree. You can see that. Um, it helps when you have, you know, the best running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey. It helps when you have, uh, you know, the best utility knife in the league in Debo Samuel. Uh, so they've, they've put quite a bit of talent out there on that field. And you talk about a quarterback that, you know, was drafted at the end of the draft, uh, got in some games last year, thought he was going to be the guy in the playoffs. He got hurt, took care of that. Then he come back this year. And there's a lot of talk of uh, Purdy's a system manager, a game manager, yada, yada, yada. Well, none of that has been said about Jordan Love, at least to the best of my knowledge, uh, watching Jordan Love, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, Purdy can make throws. Agreed. Can Purdy make the the wow throw, you know, like we've seen Mahomes make or we've seen Jordan Love make or Favre or Rodgers or... Some of those type of guys. Is he at that level? Can he make those throws? Does he have to make those throws uh, in order to win Super Bowls? Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't have to make those throws uh, necessarily to to win a Super Bowl. But in that specific game in which the Chiefs won in overtime again, 25-22 over the Niners, Brock Purdy didn't lose the football game for the San Francisco Niners. He is not the reason they lost that football game. Purdy didn't throw two picks, didn't throw a pick, and he didn't didn't play horrible at all. But he wasn't special either, right? And when you're playing against a guy that probably by the time his career is over is probably going to be considered the greatest of all time. Somebody, some people are already there. I believe Ryan Horvath is already there. But by the end of his career, now having three Super Bowls, is probably going to be viewed as the best of all time at that position in all of football. You got to be better than just average. You got to be better than just kind of good, right? And I think Purdy was kind of that. You know, he made a couple plays with his legs uh, and his arm. He did, uh, but but for example, you know, they bring that cornerback blitz, uh, and he throws it essentially into the dirt. He didn't know what to do. He panicked and he threw it into the dirt. Now, as experience comes, hopefully, that type of stuff, uh, you know, will stop. Uh, Chris Jones, they failed to block out one play. You know, that was on the Kansas City offense, not necessarily on the San Francisco offense, not necessarily maybe Purdy, unless, you know, he, he didn't call the right blocking assignment or whatever the case may be. I don't, but I don't think that was the case. But when you get to that point, you got to be on point. And when Kansas City gives you opportunities to put them away and you don't, that's a problem. That's where this all comes down to. So while, yes, Brock Purdy won a bunch of games in the regular season, and Brock Purdy figured out ways to beat the Packers, figured out a way to beat the Lions. You know, their defense hasn't been playing well. Their defense played much better uh, in that game against Kansas City, especially there in the first half of the game when they pretty much had Kansas City's offense shut down, held Kelsey to one catch. I think it was in the first half. And they were doing their job at the end of the day and allowing Brock Purdy uh, and the offense to do something. And they couldn't do anything, right? I mean, that's a problem. McCaffrey fumbles the ball on the first drive. Again, that's not Brock Purdy's fault. But when you start adding these things up, just like when you're watching the Packers, well, at least this is what I was doing, when they played the Cowboys in the playoffs, I'm sitting here going, three points is not going to do it on drives. You've got to figure out how to way to score touchdowns. A bunch of field goals, you're not going to win this football game. You have to score touchdowns. When they played the San Francisco 49ers, same type of deal. You must get touchdowns, not field goals. 
And that Cowboy game, they were getting touchdowns. And in that Niner game at the beginning, they were kicking field goals. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what it came down to. And in this game here in the Super Bowl, for the 49ers, they did not punch it into the end zone enough. Right? Moody gets a a long field goal, 55 yards for the Rook. It's great. That extra point cost him. It did. The extra point cost him that he that he missed. It really did. And because of that, they end up going to overtime and the whole thing plays out. But even when you, you know, get the ball first, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Even when you get the ball first and you're Brock Purdy, you have to know we have to score a touchdown here. Three is just simply not going to do it. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have to know we have to get the ball into the end zone here one way or the other. It just has to happen. And when you get all the way down there, thanks to a big McCaffrey run, you get all the way down there and you can't finish and you settle for three, regardless of how well that Niners defense has played. Kind of like when you play Tom Brady. You go to the sidelines and you know if they score a touchdown, it's over. And it's Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Odds are you lost a football game. Odds are this is about to be over and you're going to lose. And I think everybody on that offensive side of the football that they showed on TV that was sitting over on the sidelines, especially Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey looked like he was staring off into la-la land. Kind of maybe replaying the game in his head. I don't know. Kind of thinking about what could have been, should have been. Maybe he was thinking about his fumble that happened earlier and they wouldn't be in that situation and they got a, got a touchdown or some points there and they didn't. But that's the problem when you're Brock Purdy, good, playing a Hall of Famer. Really, really, really freaking good. Now, what is Jordan Love, right? I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if Jordan Love's only going to be good or kind of good or average. I have no idea. We have not seen Jordan Love string it together for a full season. We saw Jordan Love string it together for a second half of a season. And I think the assumption from a Packer fan is when you return these offensive weapons around him, you know, again, providing Aaron Jones is back as well, which I think we all assume will happen. But you bring all these wide receivers back, you bring the tight ends back, you bring back the quarterback, the running back, you assume this offense is going to be even more dangerous next year because both of those tight ends that were dinged up at different points now will have a full season to really play together. And now Matt LaFleur then knows what everybody can do because I think he really undervalued and underestimated Tucker Kraft going into the season. But again, he didn't know. These guys were all young guys. He was trying to figure it out. Now going into next season, you can really, really build an offense to really utilize all these weapons you have and really let Jordan Love cook, as they like to say. And that's going to be something that's going to probably be very scary for the rest of the National Football League going into next season. I can't wait for next season to start for the Green Bay Packers because this team is going to be really, really good offensively for sure. Defensively, we'll have to wait and see. And see, that's that's the other part about this game, watching the Super Bowl as a Packer fan, that you're watching it. You're watching it and you're going, okay, so offensively, or at least this is what I was doing, offensively, they're as good or probably better than these teams offensively going into next year more than likely. That's my thought. Now, who knows? Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs trade for a stud wide receiver or they draft some guy that turns out to be a stud wide receiver to go with Rasheen Rice. 
No idea. But as of right now, as it looks, as we currently sit, this Packers offense will probably be better and higher ranked than both of these two offenses we just watched in the Super Bowl. And there is no Christian McCaffrey and no Debo Samuel, but yet all of these young players combined as a team on offense going to be filthy good going into next season. So you, you feel good about that. But then you go, okay, well, what about the other side of the ball and how we compare to that side of the ball? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The biggest difference, the single biggest difference between the Kansas City Chiefs winning a Super Bowl and the Green Bay Packers winning a Super Bowl at some point is defensive coordinator. That's all it is. That's it. It's a big gap. You can say whatever you want about Spagnola as defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Okay? You can say Packers beat him. Fine, I'm with you. But Spagnola with the Giants beat Brady and the Patriots. Beat them. The GOAT, the cheaters, beat them. Now, he's beating the Niners a couple of times. This, to me, is that guy, right? So if we say Bill Belichick is the greatest defensive nine of our generation, blah, 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 fine. But after you get past Belichick, again, cheater, all the things that the Patriots did, but once you get past him, Spagnola has to be two on that list of our generation of defensive coordinators. Have there been other really good defensive coordinators like Vic Fangio? Yeah, very good. Very good defensive coordinator. Would love to have him. Is he Spagnola or Belichick? No. No, I don't, I don't think so. Big game situations, you know, finish it out. Get that big stop, whatever. No. Spagnola blitzed, I want to say, 52% of the time in the first half of that game. You want to know what happened in the second half? He didn't pull the dogs off. Nope. Still kept coming. Still kept bringing the pressure because he knew that if they were going to win the game, they had to stop McCaffrey and they had to pressure Purdy. If they did that, and if Purdy still beat them, I think they walk away and go, fine. Fine. I can live with that. If the kid beats us throwing the ball over, you know, over the top and beats our corners and our safeties, and we're getting pressure and we're hitting him and he's still making good throws, then we'll live with it. McCaffrey, 31 times had that ball in his hand running the football. 31 times. That's a lot. That is a lot. And that is a, the number Shanahan said before the game was 30 rushes he wanted out McCaffrey. He had 31. Kansas City's defense was Spent by the time regulation got done. And it was really spent by the time they got done with that football game. They were out there a while. San Francisco's defense was spent too. No question. But to me, the play caller is so important. Yes, you have to have great talent, right? You have to have Chris Jones to be able to get after the quarterback, make big plays in big moments, be a leader of that defense, do what they have to do. You have to have those guys. Not saying you can do this without talent. But 
We always talk about offensive play callers and and getting yourself set up for later in the game to make that play. For instance, when they make the play early in the game and McCaffrey catches the touchdown pass after the throw to Jennings and then Jennings to throw to McCaffrey back and McCaffrey scores, you heard Romo say they've been setting that up for the last several plays. Been setting it up, seeing how they reacted to different things, and then boom, hit them. By the way, the Packers pretty much tried to run that exact same thing, I think, multiple times during the season. Memory serves correct and couldn't make it work. But either way, that to me is what you do on offense. In my opinion, on defense, it's kind of the same way. You're still doing the same type of thing. You're setting up the offense now in different ways of see one thing, expect one thing, and whoops, they did something else out of that same look. But you don't want to give up what it is. And that's why those hard counts work, because now you get draw guys in, they're showing that they're coming, and all those different uh, things, the cat and mouse game that goes on between an offense and a defense, a defense and an offense, all of that. That's why I get concerned when you start talking about, okay, we're taking this position coach, and he's going to be our defensive coordinator. The man's never called a game as a defensive coordinator. He's never called plays together or strung plays together. And now we expect him to go do it. Just like, oh, wide receivers coach uh, for the Rams. Great. Now go be a play caller. Eh. Not everybody is going to be really good at calling plays. It's, it's just not. There is an art to doing it. And just like I think there is an art to being on the other side of the ball. When you are in a football game, it's a chess match between the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. And let's be honest, nobody felt like we were going to win a game of chess with Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Nobody thought that was going to happen. Everybody was like, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> no, no chance. Now, did we win some? Absolutely. Packers won some of those games for sure. And the games in which the Packers played well at the end of the year, what happened? You had your front, your defensive line, getting some pressure, right? Whether it's Brooks or Wooten or whether it's uh, Kenny Clark, whoever it may be, they were getting pressure on the quarterback from the defensive line. Earlier in the year, that wasn't necessarily the case all the time. But that is one thing that you see out of the San Francisco 49ers, you see out of the Kansas City Chiefs, that they can get pressure with their front without having to necessarily blitz all the time. Now, Spagnola likes to blitz regardless of if they're getting pressure or not. And I understand that because it's about confusing the quarterback, making him rush throws, and seeing if that offensive line can communicate and pick up where all these different guys are coming from, again, based on looks and how he's calling plays and setting it up down the line. I think that is a big part of what makes... Uh, Spagnola great, and I think that's in large part what makes Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay to a degree, what makes them great and what they do is because the art of the play call and how good you are at it. And, and that that is all-encompassing of kind of what we watched in the Super Bowl uh, and how this whole thing plays out. So for me, as a Packer fan, I feel really, really good after watching this game. Really good after watching this game about what this Packers team can be for the next couple of years and the position this Packers team can be in. Take a quick time, I'll come back. I, I want to talk about uh, the overtime and Kyle Shanahan. Th- those two things specifically. Uh, overtime rules uh, and then Kyle Shanahan as coach 
uh, in big game situations. We'll do that next here on Curtin Long. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer with you. Download it on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast at. Check us out on the YouTube uh, Odyssey Sports streaming page as well. Uh, you can find us there too. Not today. I'm by myself, so I'm just in a production studio talking to a microphone looking at a wall. So you're not going to see that today. Uh, but when I have co-hosts on, it's always there. Back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. See Sparky, Fiverr, Curd, and Long, baby. Welcome in. Uh, talking a little bit more now here about the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl which the Kansas City Chiefs have won back-to-back now. They look to make it three straight going into next season. Chiefs beat the Niners 25-22 uh, in overtime. Uh, I want to get a little bit into overtime playoff rules, um, and I want to get into Kyle Shanahan. So for those of you that were really confused as far as what the heck was going on uh, in that game, here are the three playoff overtime rules, all right? Both teams will have the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime in the postseason. Seems pretty easy to understand. If the score is tied after each team has possessed the ball, the next score wins, which means if you get the ball first, right, San Francisco, they kick a field goal. Let's say Kansas City gets the ball, they kick a field goal. Then San Francisco gets the ball back, they score, they win. That's kind of how it plays out. If the team kicking off to start the overtime period scores a safety on the receiving team's initial possession, the team that kicked off is the winner. Okay. So, let's have a conversation about this. Shanahan made uh, the statement after the game that he wanted to possess the ball third. Now, call me crazy, but... He claims he talked to his analytics team in San Francisco, talked to all of his coaches, his buddies, whatever else, and they determined getting the ball first was the best option. To that, I would say, sure, if you score a touchdown and you're not playing Patrick Mahomes. If this was Brock Purdy and the Chiefs against Justin Herbert and the Chargers, okay, I'll get down with that. Fine. This was Brock Purdy and the Niners uh, against, I don't know, even Josh Allen and the Bills or Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Okay, I guess I kind of understand kind of what you're thinking maybe, right? But not when you're playing the dude that's got Super Bowl rings already and the dude that is seriously has been running all over you in the second half of this football game scoring points. The second half was completely opposite of the first half of that Chiefs offense. So they were rolling in the second half going into overtime, and yet you still decide you want to be third. Okay, fine. So what happens? You go all the way down there, you miss a block, blocking assignment, Purdy rushes, whatever, and that's that. Kick a field goal, uh, Moody hits it, and you give the ball back to them. They go down the field, McCole Hardman, touchdown catch uh, to end the first overtime period. Chiefs win, and that's it. Now, what a lot of people are fired up about is the fact that the Niner players, several of them apparently, didn't know the new overtime playoff rules. And they are just mad at Kyle Shanahan. How do they not know the overtime playoff rules? 
Do they need to know the overtime playoff rules? I mean, yeah, it would be nice. I mean, I guess you could have taken like a PowerPoint presentation, put it up on the screen and said, okay, these are the playoff rules in case we get there. These are the rules. Now, you could do that on Thursday of the game, uh, Friday of the game, whatever. Put it up there and do it. Odds are half that team still won't know what the overtime rules are, even after you showed it to them. So I don't... Get all worked up that they didn't know the rules. The only one that needed to know the damn rule was Kyle Shanahan. And the only other person that needed to know what they were doing was a person that was going to call the coin flip for the Niners when they went out there. That's it. If Shanahan said, if we win, we want the ball, fine. Simple and sweet. He doesn't need to know the rules. Go do your thing. Regardless of who the rules are, in the way that it played out last night, you scored a field goal. Either way, they're going to get the ball back with a chance to beat you, just like it would be any other time. So that, to, to me, isn't the biggest of deals necessarily. What is interesting to me in all of this is that Kyle Shanahan, again, blew a sizable lead, yet again. And I I, I don't understand. Kyle Shanahan has had a double-digit lead in all three Super Bowls he's been in as offensive coordinator and that Falcons meltdown against the Patriots in the second half of that game, what was it, 28-3 or something like that? And then as head coach in the Niners, all three double-digit leads in the second half. And in probably all three, he essentially kind of went away from the run in certain areas of that game. The Falcons really went away from the run uh, against the Patriots in that game. And that's why for Shanahan coming into this game, he was so focused I'm making sure they continue to run the football consistently. And for the most part, you know, I think he kind of tried to do that. Uh, but it was, you know, came up short. And now what's happening is now you have the media not completely turning on Kyle Shanahan because there are still some defenders out there of Kyle Shanahan. The defense of Kyle Shanahan is going to stop if this Niner team goes back to a Super Bowl again and loses to somebody other than Patrick Mahomes. If they blow another lead and somebody else in the, in the AFC beats him again, then people are going to be on him. Now, I saw some Niner fans saying, ah, get rid of Kyle Shanahan. He can't win the big game. That's enough. We've seen enough. Let, let's bring somebody else in here. Great regular season coach. Can't finish. To that, I say, yeah, okay, maybe. I mean, Marv Levy went to what? Three straight Super Bowls? Four straight Super Bowls? Whatever it was. And lost all of them. Now, the first one was because of a knucklehead kick by Scott Norwood, obviously. Uh, but they lost all of them. Got blown out in a couple of them. Well, I believe he's a Hall of Famer. Now, I, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan is going to be a Hall of Famer here uh, at the end of the day, one way or not. But again, when you get all the praise during the regular season, like Brock Purdy did, and you get all the praise during the regular season like this Niners team did, and I'll never forget, you know, going into that playoff game against the Niners and talking to all these people around the country, all acting like the Niners were some unbeatable force and they've got so much on defense and so much on offense and it's probably not going to be close against the Packers and blah, 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 blah. And I said on this podcast, if they're close with like three or four minutes to go in this game, Packers and Niners in the playoffs, I'm just going to laugh and be like, yeah, well, I guess y'all were wrong on that one. Even if they lost, it was going to be a five. Yes, the Packers lost, but they should have won that game. They outplayed the Niners. But the Niners, to their credit, figure out a way to win. Same type of deal happened against the Lions early in that game. Lions were off and rolling. 
uh, and then they faltered, and the Niners took advantage. And now here in this game against the Chiefs, it was the exact opposite. Niners were off and rolling, not enough, only getting 10 first-half points. Uh, and then the Chiefs got rolling in the second half and then figured out a way uh, to win it in overtime. I think Kyle Shanahan is a hell of a coach. Matt LaFleur has been criticized and under fire uh, for him not being able to win uh, playoff games with Aaron Rodgers. And he can't win a big playoff game. Okay. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe these Shanahan guys aren't big game coaches. Maybe these Shanahan guys can't finish in big moments. Maybe that's the case. But I don't think necessarily that's going to be the case. I think Matt LaFleur is going to win one or two or more Super Bowls with Jordan Love and this offense before it's all said and done. I do. And then all of this stuff about what happened with Rodgers is going to be put to bed nineteen night for another day. Shanahan has had now multiple quarterbacks in which he's had opportunities to do stuff with and hasn't finished. LaFleur is on his second quarterback, right? So he's got his Brock Purdy, and LaFleur has his Jordan Love. Now, in fairness to Shanahan, he never had a Hall of Famer. He never had a Rodgers to try and go win with uh, in San Francisco. So that should obviously be pointed out. He never had that guy like Matt LaFleur did. But... Uh, At the end of the day, how are these guys going to be remembered? They're going to be remembered the same way as quarterbacks are remembered. Super Bowl rings. We can talk all we want about what these guys did in the regular season. That was the Tony Dungy deal, right? Forever. Couldn't finish in Tampa. Couldn't finish in Tampa. Couldn't finish in Tampa. John Gruden comes in, they finish. Tony Dungy leaves there, comes to Indianapolis to replace Jim Mora, And what happened? He finished in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning uh, as the quarterback, Hall of Fame-type quarterback. They won a Super Bowl. So eventually he finished. Andy Reid couldn't win the big one in Philly. Couldn't win, couldn't win, couldn't win. He's not the guy. They go to Kansas City. They bring him in in Kansas City. John Dorsey and crew there. And right away, Alex Smith, okay, that's a pretty good season. We're going to go with the rookie Patrick Mahomes. And now they've won three. So when that happens, when... Dungy goes from one situation where he's winning a bunch but can't finish, goes to Indy and finishes. When Andy Reid goes from one situation with a really good quarterback in Donovan McNabb and playoffs after playoffs after playoffs after playoffs, can't finish, gets to the game, can't win it. Super Bowl, that is. And he leaves, goes to a different team, and now he finishes three times. What changed? Did Andy Reid become a much better coach? Did Tony Dungy become a much better coach? Or were they results of having better quarterback play in those moments? And I think you can argue in both. It was better quarterback play in those moments when they needed it. You had uh, upgrade in Peyton Manning uh, there over whatever he was dealing with in Tampa Bay. Gruden ended with Brad Johnson. But that's an upgrade with Peyton Manning. Obviously, Hall of Famer. Andy Reid's situation, Donovan McNabb, hell of a quarterback. Really good. Patrick Mahomes, better. Clearly better. Uh, And you're able to finish there three times, three Super Bowl rings. I don't think Dungy got smarter. I don't think Andy Reid got smarter. I I don't think, you know, all of a sudden they they realized how to win in the NFL in a big game in those situations. They did the same stuff they always did. But they had guys in key positions that were able to finish in those big moments differently than they had before. And for Matt LaFleur to finish 
when he hasn't finished with Aaron Rodgers, what's going to be the difference? To me, it's simple. The defense. It's not going to be the quarterback play. I don't think it is. I think Jordan Love's going to put up really good numbers in the playoffs, just like Rodgers did. So I don't think it's going to come there. I think the difference is going to be if this team's going to win a couple of Super Bowls or whatever, this defense is finally going to have to play like a Super Bowl caliber defense. And to this point, with Aaron Rodgers, outside of Dom Capers that one year, they really were never at that Super Bowl level uh, quality type defense to go along with an offense that always put up points. Now, uh, they need to find out whether or not it's going to work. Because if LaFleur can ever find a defensive coordinator that can get a defense to play like a Super Bowl caliber defense, uh, then LaFleur and Love may both never see a Super Bowl. But they have to have a defense to go along with that offense. If they can't find it, they're in trouble. San Francisco had a defense to go along with their offense. Kansas City had a defense to go along with their offense. You can say, based on some of the Kansas City struggles earlier in the year, that they're not even in the Super Bowl had it not been for Spagnola and that defense through different parts of this season, keeping games close and allowing them a chance to win. That's what this Packers team needs. It's not about the quarterback. It's not going to be about the head coach. It's going to be about the defensive coordinator and how well that side of the ball plays. If they're a Super Bowl caliber defense, top five defense, something like that, this team's going to win a Super Bowl or more with Jordan Love. Maybe two or three. Who knows? Before this whole thing is said and done. Maybe we'll see Jordan Love versus Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl two or three times before uh, you know Patrick Mahomes' career is over. Who knows how this is going to play out? But it's not going to be about the quarterback, I don't believe. I don't believe it's going to be about LaFleur, the coach. It's simply going to be about how good can this defense play. Can they be a dominant-type defense like San Francisco was this year? Can they be a a dominant-type defense in big games like Kansas City has shown uh, at different moments in time, in big moments? Can they do that? To me, that comes back to the coordinator and the talent on that side of the ball. I think they probably have enough talent, uh, but the coordinator... Uh, is going to be the key to their success and whether or not they ever get back to the Super Bowl again with Matt LaFleur. That'll do it for Curd and Long. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles!